0: Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's nice a to come down, Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. God, oh. hmm. Cracker, that's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate OE. As most of you would know, Curran and I run a business called Ultimate OE, we specialise in sending young Kiwis and Aussies to Canada and Scotland to work in the hunting industry. Applications for next hunting season, so 2020, both in Canada and Scotland, are now open. As hunters, we're not often happy with inauthentic experiences. We're always looking for something adventurous, more exciting, and more unique. Same goes for overseas experiences. We deliver once in a lifetime opportunities working for the best outfitters in Canada and the best hunting estates in Scotland. Our train before you go setup means that we can secure all the best jobs with the best employers, with the best people in the best spots all ahead of time because they know you're gonna turn up with the knowledge and skills to hit the ground running when you get there. If you're interested in an OE in Canada or Scotland next year based around hunting in the mountains, it doesn't get much better in my opinion. If you think you might be interested or just want to learn a little bit more about what we do, feel free to get in touch You can get us on email at ultimateoemail at gmail.com. You can flick us a PM on Facebook or Instagram, either through the Educated Hunter or Ultimate OE Pages. Either will work, whatever blows your hair back. Enjoy the show.
1: Well, so today I'm joined on my couch with Sam Manson. <laughs> He's made the trip over, so um, we're basically sitting down in the sun and we're going to have a beer. And we're just going to chat hunting, hunting professionally, for one of the biggest outfitters in New Zealand, uh, maintaining a passion for his recreational hunting, and just the, I guess the things he's seen and learnt in the form of hunting and anti-hunting internationally and what it is we can and can't do better ourselves. So uh, super cool chat, pretty casual, you'll pick that up when you listen to it, but uh, enjoy it. All good, that'll do Um And you can drink and stuff on the mic, it's not that bad. <laughs> Yeah, I can sort it out. We're becoming good at that stuff.
2: Yeah, person from Point South told me to uh, have four stubbies before I started <laughs> He also said, "Tell me, <laughs> tell me when
1: um, you've got Sam on because I'll send you some shit that you could ask him." Or his, uh, uh, he
2: was going to say that uh, my new tattoo on my arm—that's And my girlfriend—and he was going to get you to ask me it in the podcast. <laughs> I was like, "You fucking asshole!" That's so not. Is it? No, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, so we've got I've got Sam Manson sitting on the couch with me. He's uh. He's actually driven over to Alex, so that was handy for me, juggling dad life. Finally got him here, and I'm just going to go over, well, background on Sam, but also how he managed to juggle professional hunting within New Zealand and internationally, and then still keeping a passion in recreational hunting, because even from my background, I'm pretty aware that they become blurred at some point, and I, I struggled with it. I couldn't keep hunting in a professional term, be it pest control or guiding and still enjoy recreational hunting, but anyways. Okay, so Sam, starting up, where where did hunting start for you?
2: I uh, sort of grew up in a farm in Cromwell, which is not that far from here, and then uh, was just shooting rabbits and whatever I could with an air rifle or twenty two. then uh, moved on to bigger game, goats and stags and whatever I could really get my hands on. Uh, and then, yeah, when I was about 17 years old, uh, my dad's best friend, Dave McDonald, he had a outfitting business that he offered to me, and I had to turn it down reluctantly. Because uh, you were just too down. young, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I still look at the business now, and it's like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, everything's sort of fallen into its place, and yeah,
1: yeah. So when you were when you were hunting the deer around Central Targo back then, were they quite plentiful, or were you sort of heading to the coast of it?
2: Uh, I was heading to the coast a bit more. Uh, it was only in probably the early 2000s when the deer numbers sort of picked up a lot here from yeah. how much they had been hunted out and that for venison, I found. But
1: yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's very really yeah. true. Like, I'm, well, I'm a little bit older, but same sort of genre. Like, I remember around the end of high school and so forth, like that, like, it was still sort of like you might go out yeah. on a farm pig and see a <clears> sea of deer or see or something, and the farmers were reluctant. You know, they're like, I'll leave the deer alone or you yeah. know, one spike or a year or something, then all of a sudden. <laughs> that sort of self-management allowed things to take off and obviously the, the value of them wasn't as high so that was yeah I was barley pretty barley lucky mum and
2: dad had a farm that we they bought in Mosgiel, and it had pigs and deer on it so I got to shoot my first deer down oh, there okay. and yeah chase yeah. pigs around and-,
1: and then so so you, you gave up the opportunity at 17 to own a business which wasn't lucky <laughs> for it all <laughs> but then you you know you're like I don't know what you were doing in the middle period did you go Straight from being an 18, 19 year old into professional hunting, or did you?
2: Uh, no, I went, I left school at 17 and uh, started doing my building apprenticeship. So I was building right through probably towards I was about 24. Yep, got qualified and then. Still just
1: hunting, <coughs> just on weekends then. and
2: yep. as much as possible and as little work as possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
1: how a Central Tiger lad juggles
2: it. Yeah. But then, yeah, I got a opening one day. It was actually a guy from here. He'd broken his back playing rugby. And he was meant to be going to Colorado, guiding over there on Elk. And they said, Oh, can you be in Colorado in a week? So booked my flights I and was done. Ticket, didn't, done. Even a, uh, didn't even have a. Didn't even have a. Easter? No, had yeah. nothing. Yeah. Hmm. No passport and got and, away.
1: Oh, really? So <laughs> yeah. so you had a busy week that week then. Yeah. So, and that was, that's obviously like a pretty jump in the deep end to one yeah. go international and two. Guide in an existing business, I guess, as a first timer.
2: Yeah, it was definitely very interesting because as New Zealanders, we don't do cow calling for elk or yeah, you know, we don't cow call it anything. No, and in the uh, first week, you get two clients, and and uh here you go, you're in the DP and he's two clients. He's six thousand acres, no fences around it, all migration elk. Just get into it and try and get a bull. And it's like oh, okay, and here's a cow call. What do I do with that?
1: <laughs> was it a hoochie mama? Or was it yeah? It was you know, a hoochie mama? I, okay, good. And they, I, went, I, them I hate them. They are my pet. Hate Well, me. it's uh, better than being handed a reed. Uh, first up, like yeah. you'd be feeling lost. For those that don't like a reed is, I guess in a layman term, it's a dog whistle. Yeah, that works on elk. But um versus a hoochie mama, which is a dog squeaky toy.
2: But they get used <laughs> that much in the national forest there that if you use them when you're on when the they come out of the um, national forest to your land. They just start running eh? Yeah, yeah. They know exactly what's going on. Well, the trouble we had with yeah.
1: using them was, um, because in in northern BC was the grizzly bears were coming to them. Ooh, that yeah. was our issue. And in the in and yeah. the, in the, in the reburn willows and stuff. So, wasn't awesome. No. So, um, and it was only elk you were doing.
2: Uh they had mule deer there as well. Yep. And some antelope, but I never really did the antelope. Did the old mule deer.
1: Prior to that, I'm assuming, other than farm animals, you'd never probably even seen a wild elk.
2: No. Yeah. No, no. fielding
1: trips or anything crazy. No, like and that?
2: then yeah, the other property that I was at, uh, yeah, it wasn't it was big numbers, the heads weren't very big, but like you might get a three hundred Boone and Crockett elk, which I don't actually know how that equivalates to Douglas score or anything, but
1: No, nah, well yeah, Douglas <coughs> Doug yeah, no, it's a fucking confusing issue there.
2: Yeah, and uh but, but still you'd get like six weeks of the year you could have a thousand head of elk there. Huh. And you could shoot your six you know, your six clients for the week in one night you just call and there'd be balls yeah. all around you. It was insane. So were
1: you taking multiple clients at a time?
2: You'd always have two on one, so yeah. yeah. Huh. It was, it was probably some of the funnest hunting I've ever mm. done, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And then you could go back the next week later and if there was a bit of snow, because you're at 10,000 feet, uh, if there was a bit of snow, you'd have no elk. Yeah, right. So that makes things real interesting. And so
1: what was it, <laughs> six weeks at a time?
2: Uh, it was six weeks at that camp. And I ended up running that camp for the guy for two years. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd move down to a lower camp. Only another couple of thousand feet down. Yeah. And then we'd sort of hit them again then.
1: Was that as the weather was?
2: Yep. Yeah. They'd just slowly keep migrating down.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then, so that, is that, I guess, well, obviously that's where you got your starting the professional hunting stuff, but. Yeah. And that led to New Zealand work? Yep. I that was the big,
2: so? actually, opening for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I actually got my job here. Sorry about that. Uh, was actually because you shared it on Facebook years ago. Yeah. That they were looking for a guide and I didn't even have a CV and just sent through what yep. I'd done and. And got an interview.
1: Sweet. And then fast forward to now, like you've done a lot, you know, like in terms of
2: especially New Zealand
1: guiding. Um, you know, you work for one of the bigger outfitters. Yeah. How many months a year are you guiding?
2: Uh we normally start the start of February and then this year we went through into August. So huh.
1: yeah. and my clients are doing seven days. Yeah, seven typically? day hunt. Or oh, six yeah. day sort of hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seven day rotations.
2: Yep, pick them up Sunday and drop them off, sad day sort of lunchtime.
1: Awesome and so have you, I asked this question to Joseph the other day, but like from where you sit, I guess within the Trove Hunter to New Zealand have you noticed a difference with the, the Tarmageddon or the the way it was publicly dealt with? Like,
2: Yep I have uh, I think if the government that we have now gets in for another four years then people need to really start binding together and either yeah like it could really really affect everybody not just guides just even yeah us like you
1: know? yeah it's a tough one eh because a typical yeah. typical Kiwi attitude is to go well it, you know you guys are making money from it yeah, you exactly. know, like, yeah. versus poor us we're just recreational guys you know oh,
2: like I went with a girlfriend the other day up to a valley that lots of people probably been in mm-hmm. on the east Coast and I didn't even take a gun and here's a guy in the creek bed and he goes oh you're here to try and find the last tart I said, I've already seen 40, and that's the middle of the day. Yeah. I said, there's still tar here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know.
1: No, there is still tar here. Yeah. We, do, we do need to be just selective on what we're doing. Exactly, yeah. But um, it's, it's a shame. And it's just like you say, like, you know, if, the, if they get in for another four years, yeah, where it all goes and, and the impact it has on us hunters, unfortunately, is yet to be known. We don't, re- you know, it'd be quite nice to say that what we've seen so far is a good benchmark, but it, yeah. <laughs> it mightn't be either.
2: I know, but a lot of people, you know, they probably think that the culling of the tar is a bad thing, but in a way, that you're going to get a better trophy quality in the end. In a, in a yeah. long run, yeah. yeah. Like, it might take a long yeah. time. It's going to take years. But and,
1: I, and I, you know, the, I th- well, the, I people are going to have a go at Curran for this, but, yeah. like, we have to admit that the first thing that came out of it when, when they said we're going to do this cull is we all said, oh, yeah, that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we weren't willing to say it six months prior, you know. So, oh. which yeah, we've got to be oh, honest exactly. with ourselves and say, you know, like yep. we probably let it go a bit too good, and and we see that even in the the not only the numbers but in the trophy, like yeah, like I've gone over it a few times, but you know what, my tar on my wall is probably a couple inches shy of what guys would consider a trophy now, which is a shame, but yeah, but it's not a shame for me. I don't value it any differently. But
2: oh, but even my. My dad, his first tar that he shot, or like decent bull he shot, would have been early 90s, late 80s sort of thing. It's only 11-inch bull tar, and, mm-hmm. and I guided in the same valley for f- three years, and it was the only bull they'd seen there, Yeah, and would take cool. 10 bulls out of the area. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, insane yeah. So like how much go. it's cra- uh, changed. There you yeah. go.
1: Uh, well, yeah. Actually, that's just, just spiked the bloody memory of you, Sam. Tell me about that chamois, because there's a picture, I think, on social media. You look (laughs) like a 12-year-old with glowing red hair and this massive chamois. When was this?
2: Uh, So actually the week before that, I'd been to the Krangarara and I chopped my first two bull tar. And my punishment was the next week we were going chamois hunting over in Fox. And uh, Dad said, oh, you can only take a 2 to 2 with you. No problem. So we sat there the first night and seen quite a few chamois. And then the next morning, Dad said, Well, I'm going to go after this big buck. What are you going to do? I said, Oh, I'm going to go back to where we were last night. I literally get to where we were last night, and here's a big buck sitting there. <laughs> I was like, Wow, is that a buck or a nanny? And I kept looking at it, looking at it. Oh, it's a buck. So I stalked over and shot it, and Dad comes down. And still to this date, he's only shot a nine and a half inch chamois. Yeah, it's still a good shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's been wanting the 10 inch buck his whole life. And he yells out because I couldn't find it in the little um, snow grass. So I pick it up. And he yells out, how big is it? And I said, oh, it'll be 10 and a half, 11 inches. And you see him like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, good one, son. <laughs> and then he meets me in the creek because I didn't have any water with me. And he's like, how big is it? And I said, honestly, it's 10 and a half, 11 inches. And then we had to talk to him again. He's not there. He'd gone. He's yeah. back at camp. <laughs> so I get back to camp and we get it out. And yeah, it's a, it was 11 and a quarter inch buck. Yeah. So it was it's just easy, a fluke eh? when you're 16 years old. No,
1: I did the <laughs> I did the same I was hunting with a friend um over from England and um long story short, we were sort of humming and haring over, over a chamois and I was convinced it was a nanny. Yeah. So I let him shoot it. Eleven and three quarter inch buck. Wow. Wow. Yep, I'm not gonna get that again. <laughs> Jeez. No I, was, no, I did a thing I did a
2: thing this year when I went um with Stacy Cunningham um, yeah. for some chamois. And yeah, there was this nanny that was there and she looked like she was you know, ten to ten and a half inches. Yeah. And then I put a photo of her side on, and it was sort of fifty-fifty on what everybody thought she yeah. was, what it was. And then I said, "Oh no, it's a female," and you see it front on. But she was an old female, but she had a kid. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah pretty simple math. Yeah. From from the time you have spent overseas, because not only have you done the Colorado stuff, you've done you've done the mountains in BC, and then yep. And what is it, Quebec?
2: Yeah, I was in Quebec. Yep. In yeah. A high, fence, high so fence place.
1: And have you you've hunted in South Africa? No, you wouldn't. No, 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 I haven't we're done any of that. that. Okay, but anyway, from what you've seen, because we, we're pretty naive back here in terms of like the anti-hunting pressure, and uh, yeah, I mean, we're starting to find ourselves within the political issues and stuff. But like, there's so much more of our overseas. Like,
2: oh, we're just starting to try we're and in catch on. A, yeah, we're in catching <laughs> yeah. up in
1: that format. But yeah. like, what what do you see? What have you seen that hunters internationally do well? I guess to just to to push back a little bit on on all this anti hunting stuff, like if you noticed um, stuff that we because we we don't do so
2: much here. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I like really like the way even the Europeans do it. They the older the animal, the cooler the trophy is. That yep. they could have no horns or anything and or antlers, and they mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. And then the Americans are very oh, and Canadians are very very good on aging animals, like you know the stone sheep and. Yep mountain goats and whatever. But yeah, they've got more, I think it's more of a respect sort of thing, mm-hmm. the way that they deal with their animals. Yeah. And yeah.
1: I, th- I, I agree. Like it's sort of at that very bottom level, the fact that they judge and scrutinise an animal hard, mm-hmm. f- select an animal from the group of animals that is least uh, impactful, yeah. And then they are fully resourceful with what they harvest. Yep. And that, those very minimum, I guess, ethos, I guess, I'm not as bad language, but that yeah, as a minimum ethos, like that removes a lot of the, the easy arguments against hunting, you know, yeah. in terms of we just shoot whatever we want. We shot Bambi. We don't care about them. We don't like to go down that route. But then what, what I guess, cause it's, in part through legality over there. It's also become a way of life. Yeah. So, and I, I mentioned this this the other week, like the one thing they are more comfortable within is to be unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Like they go on a hunt and be unsuccessful and it's not an issue. Yeah. Whereas I still think here in New Zealand, we're still a little bit, well, geez, we've walked yeah. three days, so we probably need something on the back of the track. Exactly. But
2: I probably think, my biggest eye-opener was when I first went to Colorado, and, you know, you have to take 85% of that, meat, mm-hmm. whereas growing up as a Kiwi here, oh, we'll just take the back legs and the back straps, yeah. and you could be miles away from where you need to be in yeah. Colorado, and you're like, wow, this is going to take a long time to get this mm-hmm. out of here, but mm-hmm. you learn real quick. Yep. I'm not shooting it there. It can stay there, yeah, and exactly. if I can't call it to where it needs to be, then, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and then, because even, like, so this year when we are in BC, like, mm-hmm. It was slightly better restrictive than than the Yukon was, but they've changed that now. So now it's the ribs and the neck and everything like that. And yeah, that's you yeah. know like and then and then and also on top of that, you have to leave the trophy there before like that's got to be last to come out. Okay, you know, and even that in itself becomes because yeah, yeah. you know it's quite easy to sort of take the head out and then maybe the back stakes and then.
2: Yeah, I always, I always thought it was or, a standard joke when yeah. I first started in Colorado that you had to leave the sex on the animal. So you yeah. had to leave like a nut on one leg and a nut on the other, or just yeah, yeah.
0: whatever. Like, it's
2: got a head. Yeah, yeah, but if you don't have that on it, they're going to find you. Yeah, you yeah. could have shot a cow as well for a bit of meat. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Well, yeah. yeah, and the other the other big I guess legality that becomes no nonsense is is the tag in itself. Yep. And you know, if you get caught with an animal without a tag on it, then you're breaking the law. And that, that very, the very reason for that is to ensure that the one elk you're allowed to harvest this year mm-hmm. is tagged and used. Yep. You don't, you don't sneak it back home and go out again. And yep. I think the the very basis of that, like they become very respectful hunters. And I watched um the latest series of meat eater, um, whatever, nothing to do with brands or anything. And yeah. one of the things that stood out to me was they were elk hunting in the States, but, I feel like Wyoming, but I could be wrong. Oh, um, Washington actually. Yep, he was. And um yep. he shoots a ball not so well and they try to find it and they're they're searching for it, you know, and they dedicate a whole day to it. Another hunter another hunter finds it, sees that it's a fresh well reasonably fresh kill, so he starts looking for the other hunting party and the fact that he knows they'll be looking for it.
2: That was a big ball too.
1: Like yeah and yeah. like <laughs> yeah. just the whole characteristic of that. Like somebody who's willing to give up their time and yeah, yeah. I, I, that was that was cool. And I think that's that's where you know, like they're still under an amazing amount of anti-hunting pressure over there. Don't they don't yeah. get me wrong, but quite a few of the way the things they do are quite a bit stronger from a ethical point of view. Yep, yeah. There'll be some people that are cringing at me saying that, but
2: but even like the tag system that they have there, you know, it's always always an either sex tag, mm-hmm. and when you are guiding and you get a client that shoots the wrong animal, it can end things quite quickly Yep. Yeah. but I was lucky Yeah. You know, it wasn't even me guiding but you know, I had a client I stopped the ball on the road for them bugling and yeah he shot the cow in front mm. they were high-fiving they sh- thought they'd just shot this big 6 by 6 yeah. and then I'm like why are you high-fiving you just shot that effing cow in front of them yeah. <laughs> and they turned around and there's a cow dead on the road
1: yuck <laughs> uh, well we've had like a back when me and my mate were first in Canada as youngsters like 10 years ago now My mate was hunting a moose and we, we had, I was only a wrangler at this point, so we'd been out the day before with a guide and seen this moose with a client and we were going to try and harvest it then and it didn't come together and we got another moose and so that was fine. Then my mate, he was like, he like brought a tag and everything was lined up and we were like, oh, he's going to go and shoot a moose. I was like, shit, I'll hang out with him. Like, yeah. And we took a guide with us because we couldn't legally do it. And so we had a guide with us and everything and we sat up there and we'd spent the whole season at this point, this was like the closing week, and the guide, we found this, found this moose again and he was like, yep, he's legal. And we were, yeah, for the skill set we had at the time, we were confident it was legal. And uh, we sort of went after it like a, two young Kiwi lads and we, we got it <laughs> on the ground anyway. <laughs> um, but it was an illegal moose, eh? Ooh. And uh, yeah, just got picked up from the float plane, never to be seen again. Just got yep. so ground up it like, actually, like, as much as that's the law and that's, you know, 100% how it was, like, it was a bit of a shame, too, in the fact that it was a really old ball, big droppers, like, 60-inch uh-huh. wide, but he Didn't just worn down on the top. So he had all the nubs. Like, you know, if you if nubs were points, which, without going into it, they're not. Yeah. I think he was um, 14 on one side, 13 on the other, like, for a BC Moose, like, he was, you know... But they just—he yeah. only had two on the brows, and that—that that was where we got really hung up. If it had been three, then it wouldn't have mattered. But yeah, because we were going for ten points on one side, and they just—they were a bit rubbed down on top. Yeah, taken off us. Well, taken off me. I was just a passenger <laughs> at the time, so it gave me plenty, plenty of good banter. I bet you don't tell all your boys that, is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah yeah, 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 no, no, I do. That's well, that's the reality of it. Oh, exactly. Like I've been first-hand in it. Yeah,
2: I sat on a stone sheep in BC for two days. 'Cause I thought he was legal and, mm-hmm. and I wa- then I thought about it, I was like, I just wasted two days on it. Yeah. End up getting back to camp on day sixteen. But we got us got a legal ramp.
1: Yeah. No, I have learned that but over time like even if the call could be wrong, mm-hmm. if you can't make him legal relatively quickly, then they're not the right sheep anyway. And that was essentially yeah. what came out of the hunt that we actually did this year. Yeah. He wasn't legal enough to be legal. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's just yeah. Frustrating eh Yeah
1: But so So with all your guiding Here in New Zealand Like you must Meet A big array of clients right Yep How How would you describe And I'm I'm not going to put you In one of those awkward positions But like How would you Describe the average client Because I know The other thing That goes with Trophy hunting Yeah Is the perception That they're all Excessively overpaid Excessively overweight Americans Oh
2: You definitely get you know, both sides of the spectrum. Yep. You know, you've got multi-millennials, billionaires that, yeah, that might not be able to work, walk or do whatever, but then you get some of them that love to have a hunt and do it. But then you get some people that are like us that work their whole lives for it and all they want to do is shoot a tar or a shimmy yeah, yeah. or a stag or whatever. Yep. And and they, you know, they could be 30 to 40 years old, but, yeah, a lot of more people are in the older bracket because that's when they've got the money and they've worked for it their Well, whole that's life. when they get the money and they get the time. Yeah.
1: And, and I think the the unfortunate reality is good old social excuse me, social media is it's a real strength to the the antis or the uninformed yeah to show the pictures of that demographic. They yeah. don't show many of the lean thirty year olds that have like say, say for five years or yeah. trained physically for two years to do this sort
2: of thing. Like they don't show those pictures. Oh exactly but you know, some of them yeah. Some people may not deserve their trophy but that's just the way it is yeah it's a a business in the end of the day
1: it is a business in the end of the day but I I actually probably advocate that they they basically do deserve it
2: like they're still doing something very very good for the hunting yeah they're uh, still doing it
1: they still like I mean I know there's listeners either side going high fence, free range all that kind of shit but at the end of the day like the clients still come out and, and for them it is still a hunt of a lifetime. Like, who am I? Like I've had clients up into their seventies, you know, and like they've had hips done or cancers mm-hmm. removed and all this sort of stuff and they're they're just not physically able to do so much. Yep. And and for me to sit on my quote unquote high horse and sort of say, Well that's not bloody hunting like, you know, it's you know, whatever. I'm like, well, actually, mm-hmm. if that's one of his lasting memories of the last thing he does or that's something he's inspired himself to do and it's kept him happy and in a form of whatever he's doing for a couple of years then that's yeah. a great thing
2: yeah one hunt that really put it into perspective for me was we give away like a Pathfinder hunting year, and so they'll normally bring one or two people along to shoot at their animal or they've got something wrong with them normally kids mm-hmm. so you know you have a kid that, we had a kid that was in a wheelchair and had, we actually had an adult he was in a wheelchair as well the kid had had a, like a um, brain tumour and it's pretty amazing and like what they got out of it. Yeah. But in a way, we probably got more out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it It was, yeah. Yep. And we were all building up for it, like, well, you know, oh, this is going to be quite hard. We killed all the three animals the first morning because yeah, yeah. all the gods were all ready to go and wanted to kill exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool.
1: Yeah. That's cool yeah. though. And that's all the sort of stuff that, like the hunting industry, but in particular, like, the bigger outfits, you mm-hmm. know, actually do which is at the ground level just really good honest stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's the equivalent to the you know, the big foundations that look after terminally like, you know, it's not too dissimilar to that sort of thing, but it just won't get any press anywhere and that's Oh, exactly.
2: And then yeah, last oh yeah, not this season, but last season I finished with a guy that just finished chemotherapy three weeks beforehand. You know, he's like getting bleeding noses and stuff while he's sitting in the snow and he wanted to do a foot shammy hunt. You're going, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to kill the shammy quickly and get yeah, you yeah, back. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, man, it could be the thing that got him through the chemo. That, oh, exactly. You know, everyone's got their own stories. Yeah. But, um, but so you must meet some interesting characters and stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah, And oh, it, no. that's, that's a real cool offset of the professional stuff is the people you meet.
2: But even just the people that, like offsets of what we do as well like as a mm-hmm. job you cameraman other brands of like clothing footwear people everybody like that you know a lot of people that you've done in the podcast have met through hunting yeah it's really cool yeah
1: yeah no it is and it's you know we've said it before like it's a pretty small community but it's a pretty yeah. it's actually a pretty good community um you know and other than all being busy it'd be awesome if we could just get our time together and actually oh, start yeah. doing done a bit more for the the industry as a whole, well, the, the sport as a whole, not really industry. Yeah, so so taking all that in with your professional stuff, how do you how do you go about keeping an interest in recreational hunting?
2: Uh, I still love it. eh? like there's still I don't know more like goals that you've set for yourself, or yeah. you always want a better trophy, or do mm. you want to do something, or yeah. And I've still never. Oh, I've still shot some good animals or nice animals but I there's still I can beat certain ones it's, in a certain yeah, way or Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me and it was still just like taking if I don't shoot something with the rifle, I just shoot it with a camera. Or yep. with a bow, like yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for me it was um I guess what kept me recreational hunting and it is it's where I've got to now, is it was more the, the people I was doing it with, I mm-hmm. think. Like that really mattered to me. Like I and I've said this before, and I say this to the guys I still hunt with, like when I come to like one or two, one day hunts or one or two day hunts, like I can't switch out of it just being a bloody laugh. Like yeah. I could sit in the hut, it, it yeah. doesn't. <clears throat> versus, you give me a ten day hunt, I'm, it's a sole focus type thing. And I, for me, that was what kept me interested, and I just didn't want to lose that when I, you know, like I got, I guess, to the point in my, I don't know if you call it career, but I got, I got <laughs> to a point where I was like. Do I die right into this and stay in this game, or you know, do I?
0: I still just love of like
2: and... seeing people shoot their first animal. Yeah, like just no matter what it is, it's just they get this oh, big buzz that makes you feel like you're bulletproof as well. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's quite nice because in, in the day and age that we live in, especially guys, we don't. this is I'm not trying to get emotional here, but we don't we don't ever really. Um, often give out a lot of deliberate praise to each other no and hunting is probably one of the few times where you know if you took a mate out that in front of the bar or in front of the woman is all bravado and then you shot something like he's all handshakes and massive thanks and yeah you know and it's that part of hunting and like you say first time animals or better animals or whatever is something that's very rarely seen behind the yeah like back back in the day
2: with like well my father or probably a lot of other people's fathers as well, but it used to be get the old golden handshake if you, yep. you know, got a trophy or got a, your first animal. Yep. Yeah, it's quite cool to yep. look back at.
1: Yeah, and I think and the other cool thing now with, I guess, even just the fact that phones are capable, but yeah. the, the I guess, the use on social media and everything like that, but people are actually taking photos of their trophies now and, and enjoying that whole period post-harvest mm-hmm. a lot more. And I think that's that's a real good strength that we as hunters have too and probably don't play enough on.
2: Yeah, I just mm. still find that, I still think like New Zealanders on a whole, we're, we're so bad and like I'm... Oh, we're terrible. I used to be bad. But, no, but <laughs> I used to be bad for it, but yeah, we'd, always criti- we'd, we'd, we'd always criticise everybody else. Yeah. Oh, why'd you shoot that? You know, you never know what it means to that person or anything. And you're like, wow. Well, yeah, we're really quick Maybe I judge. shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: We're, we're so quick to judge. Yeah. And, and we don't, yeah, we don't have any context on it and we don't... Yeah. You know, like we sort of judge what everyone else should do based on what it is we know and the way we do it, yep. and there is so much variation in the in the species, let alone mm-hmm. the the country that's hunted the even, people have like
2: even the way they've been taught yeah where they they're they're
1: yeah. I guess history sits with hunting like yep. there's so much variation, yeah um and we are yeah we are definitely a little bit like that but but that's right, so based on. All of that stuff. What's, um, what have you got lined out for your dream hunt?
2: A moose in Fjordland. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he said too many beers. Ken Tuscan would love that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, in all honesty, my dream hunt I want, would love a 15-inch bull turn. Yeah, yeah. I've done, yeah, BC and everywhere, or, yeah, or really, really nice, Elk from Colorado or yep. Utah, maybe. Yeah, and is that like so? You sort of
1: because I guess everybody that listens will know mine's a stone sheep, and that's because it's got some sort of emotional attachment based on a history. Would that be yeah. similar with the elk and so forth? Yeah, yeah,
2: hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And the tar, you know, it's you've got to get a lot of things that meet up. That you've got to have age and horn growth, but yeah, that it could be beefed of off luck when, because yeah. he's, exactly
1: he's obviously been smart enough to get to that point. Yep. Yeah. Yep yeah no that's 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 a cool thing and so you'll keep working internationally as well
2: uh no i'm gonna try not to <laughs> yeah yeah i wasn't meant to go overseas this year but yeah we'll see
1: yeah well it's a hard one like and that yeah. whatever without getting all the way back like i sort of said i got to a point where i had to make some decisions and it was like it's one hell of a lifestyle but then mm-hmm. it's kind of a lifestyle not living if that makes sense like,
2: yeah it's amazing like I always so lived, lived in my hometown, and then went overseas for you know only three months or four months, and yeah. then come home. I was like, "This doesn't even seem like home." Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it was amazing; just one trip changed my whole point of view of everything. Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's that's what it up, can it? do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think. Unfortunately, we all get older, I and mean. then so then so with that, you want to guide and do some building back to back to where their apprenticeship's at.
2: Uh yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, see where it goes. Yeah, there's some good money in building in there at the moment, but yeah, well, I'd like to go us. and explore New Zealand just myself, probably. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, because like we all think that we explore New Zealand as hunters, but we don't really look everywhere and, no, and geez, have a good no. look around. It. New Zealand's no, way no. a way bigger place than we honey hole. Get there <laughs> and, Yeah, yeah, going every year. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's just nice to see new country and yeah different places
1: yeah yeah no, no that's for sure so one of the things i wanted to talk to you about and i guess i know there's probably some of the galleys and stuff around that but like i know you've guided um with a wee bit of regularity like the mountain ops guys yep and that's quite a big brand in itself are those guys or well, are they good to work with oh they're awesome you know, like, awesome people
2: yeah Awesome yeah. people, so much fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. and because that's that's sort of from my understanding, the mountain ops is, I guess, sort of like hydration, uh, but then they're right through to like protein powders and sort of yeah. So, the way the best way to nutrition. put
2: it is, it's like uh, a gym supplement except for hunting or running or whatever you want to use it for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. and so, do you cool. use it? Yep, yeah, and and I love it. Yeah, you so see, you do if I actually if I'm using it while I'm guiding or hunting myself I won't drink coffee because it's got its own caffeine in it yeah and it's actually different whereas coffee closes your blood vessels and speeds your heart rate where it just opens your blood vessels right yeah so So they can work longer
1: longer for harder harder for longer yeah huh then you still have a beer at the end of the day
2: oh come
1: on (laughs) you gotta you gotta (laughs) mingle with the clients (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and so do you think one day the likes of Mountain Ops will be a, a brand over here or
2: Yep. Like that's yep. their their goal. Yep. And like it's all getting worked on sort of at the moment. Yep. Um I know they were trying to work on their website so it could get set up so you can still buy it through the US website and then sent here. Yep. Um but I don't know how far through that is. But I'll Trevor the um one of the founders, he's here uh Christmas New Year sort of thing. Yep. So we're catching up with him.
1: Oh yeah, cool. Oh, it'd be cool. Like all that sort of stuff, you know, like the well, the mountain homps, but like the the media brand and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in part the way I sort of see that is you know, obviously there's still the patriotic Kiwi they like to support the Kiwi stuff, but those yeah. big brands um they've almost they're almost becoming like like they are the big players within the industry over there. And mm-hmm. like they're, they're kind of leading the way and pushing back against the anti and the uninformed and stuff. And like, I do see strength in Kiwis at least understanding those brands and understanding what mm-hmm. they do and why they do stuff. Like, I think it's actually a...
2: Well, it's amazing, you know, like the, the Mountain Ops brand itself, they've only been really running for like four years, five yep. years. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing what, how they've the they can, yeah. But yeah. then, then they they are putting money towards, you know, all sorts of foundations and stuff yep. for hunting. Yeah which probably a lot of New Zealand brands and things probably could do themselves. Yeah. Or outfitters or whoever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or even us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, even us like that's yeah. I think that's the real there there was there's got to be a shift in us paying to do what we do or to conserve areas mm-hmm. and, and you know like the, I guess the the Fiordland Foundation is a bit of a yeah, pig in the ground for that kind of stuff and um you know I think that's a it's a natural shift and like like it actually popped up a little bit on my last chat with Joseph, is like, well we're already paying it for for all this culling and mm-hmm. taxpayer money, so, you know, yep. perhaps if it's a little bit more of a redirection or a little bit of a Yeah I guess a concise direction of where the money goes, then that would matter. On on that sort of stuff then, so as a I guess a guy that's got a foot in both camps between professional and recreational, uh do you believe like the 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 big organisations in New Zealand are uh, doing enough, or do, what? You, you know, do you have any ideas on what they should be doing differently? Or uh, and this is just your point of view, not a yeah, like
2: yeah, yeah. My personal opinion is I think everybody could do a lot more. Um, but yeah, some of the big operations and things like that, surely they can do more. Yeah, like in a way, some of the organisations that are out there, they won't stand behind people and they won't even help out. Like I'm just thinking of one that comes to mind. Last year, when there was a walking trail to get up to dock that was going through a farmer's land and he decided he was going to close it. And there was all sorts of organisations that wouldn't stand behind and help. Yeah. And that's what they're all about is hunting public land or where were they to help. And yeah. they've sort of just got no legislation to help you. But yeah. Whereas everybody needs to jump together like they did with the tar. and. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that was a something. massive...
1: Mm. Uh, just, you know, like the way people jumped on board... Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely showed that we have the ability to unite. Yeah, and this is not a, I'm not, it's not a personal thing against any of the guys on any of these foundations because they're all do it oh, voluntary. No. They all you know, like it's all, but I think there needs to be, there needs to be, there needs to be a whole lot of time and energy spent on, um, this is only my opinion, on just having New Zealanders understand it. Like we 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 still haven't got to that point. Like you know, like a couple of the bigger foundations, like TAR Foundation, is obviously new because it was mm-hmm. sort of more or less in response. Yeah. But the <laughs> others have been there for a while. And the the typical Kiwi hunter, and I don't mean those that sit in your skill set, you know, like and any of the guys that sit at very passionate and high yeah. end. Like, but the our hunt, if we looked at hunters across the board, I would think, and this, these are not educated figures; these are just current. I would think 60 to 70% of them are very casual hunters, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: likely farm-based, and arguably probably don't give too many shits about a lot of the other big picture stuff as long as they can still hunt deer or pigs out the back of Mm -hmm. where they live. But they are a big portion of our hunt population, so they all need to actually understand what it is these foundations are are there for and what they're trying to do and, and have them... As, like basically understanding and willing to support yeah. at the womb of a hat because exactly. if something big happens tomorrow and we try and re-rally the troops, I just don't know if the support's going to be there.
2: No. And, and half, we're already half, the minority. Probably half the people wouldn't know what could happen in the next five to exactly. ten Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's yeah. where, you're.
1: and like, you know, hopefully we start sharing some stuff mm. on this podcast with guys that have seen internationally, like, you know, you start, uh, anybody that's travelled overseas, like the 300 odd that have done the Ultimate OE now, Yep. They will come back and they go, fuck, we've actually got it pretty good here. And oh, yeah. when you compare it to how bad it is overseas, like, mm-hmm. you know, and then that that's by and large part of why we wanted to do it. We wanted to bring back some education. So when, when these big conversations start happening, like we need to actually arguably manage some of our animals out of helicopters and knock the numbers down and we need to pay to do what we do. And, all, you know, and these are all maybes or, or part mm-hmm. of the solutions. It needs to be understood why that would need to happen. Whereas I don't think we've got that yet in no, New Zealand no you know?
2: we're still because our, our yeah, circle of friends have probably
1: yeah. all been overseas or at least mm-hmm. have a friend that does so the conversation doesn't seem so daunting but to somebody that's literally only hunted pigs and deer at the back of Rada Hay
2: yeah which is nothing wrong with that but no nothing like but it's they, what I would do yeah, if I lived in Rada they're going to have a rude awakening yeah and they're, so at some point where they probably might even get told no you're not even allowed to hunt
1: yeah and yeah. and they're still one of the Two hundred forty thousand or two hundred fifty thousand that we need, yep. and I, th- I think that's where the big foundations need to put yep. some time and effort in. And I, I see, I see a change in them trying to do that, but that's, oh, big on time. my opinion, that's that would be almost priority. Other than obviously keeping <laughs> Queen Queen B <bee> at large <laughs> for a while, um, yeah. you know, like yeah. So and it's hard; they're all voluntary. It's well, majority of voluntary. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's there's lots going on. And one here's, a, here's another hot topic while we're on them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have another drink before I start this one. You know, one of the things that I've it's a topic that's come up before in the podcast, and I sit very neutrally on it. And that is international guys coming over and hunting and and publicising. And for me, they're not doing anything wrong. And I mean essentially if that's what they do everywhere around the world then that's fine that they do that to me I just yeah. I don't like I don't like it but that is not their issue it's our internal and government issue not, yeah yeah but one thing that you know in a discussion with a few different outfitters and I don't know if you've experienced it firsthand or not but like having celebrities or I guess known hunters come out and and hunt with you and essentially learn the tips and tricks and, and even some areas mm-hmm. and then come back on their own and, you know, film more on, on their own and stuff like, how does that sit with you? Uh,
2: yeah, it's not that great. I've had yeah. it, definitely had it happen to me. Yeah. Uh, more than one occasion. And you'll be actually amazed how many people, I've had two this week, or actually three this week that are from the USA yep. trying to organise their own stag and tar hunt. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it doesn't sit that well when they come hunt with you and then you show them areas yeah. and all yeah. sorts of places and you tell them what can be there at certain times of year. And, yeah, because yeah, well so out much of it's just banter at the, the time. On the Instagram like and stuff and you're like, wow. Mm. Okay, so they came back and shot that.
1: Oh. Yeah, especially at a professional level, like yeah. it's, like when they're monetizing their film, or
2: but it could be somewhere where I go regulation myself, like, yeah, I, yeah, 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 and Well, like, typically,
1: oh. yeah, it probably is, you know, because it's, yep. um, and th- that sort of thing grinds my gears a little bit because it's really just a one, it's I think it's a professionalism thing, but it's also like a unwritten gentleman's agreement, I, I, the way I see it, yeah,
2: like, you know, <laughs> oh, exactly, but. But
1: it's like, again, they're not doing anything illegal, but it's I think it's a real shame.
2: It's something that they are working through at the moment as well Mm -hmm. with the Guides Association. Um, And I know they're trying to work on a time period where things will change. Um, So people can still do it, but there will be a fee or a way around it. Mm -hmm. It could end up being like over in BC where you have to be with a guide, which in a way is going to open up more money for other outfitters or it might open up jobs for other people. There is already I'm un- a lot yeah, of gods I'm unsure,
1: there. But. I'm unsure about that. Like,
2: oh, it's going to be so hard for them to do.
1: Yeah, the, the policing yeah. of it and, and where the money sits with it and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I, and this is probably why I sit on the fence so heavily with yeah. the whole idea is if if it wasn't going to cost me so much to fly to the States or, you know, like, and then arguably if BC's law would change, like, mm-hmm. I would love to go and do those hunts. Oh, yeah. I think the, the restriction should be still the same in the fact that I'm only allowed to shoot the one tar or the one sheep if I'm overseas and they would probably mm-hmm. still got to get checked by a game warden to make sure they were legal yep. and all that. And I know that doesn't police how many were actually shot, but I think if that becomes mm-hmm. the way of life, then then we'd get away with it. And I like I you know, like I understand from an outfit outfitting point of view, you need clients for, you know, from the business point of view.
2: Which I think you'll always get. Yeah, but it'll, yeah, I know it, this will probably ruffle feathers too. But a lot of the people that are coming over and doing it by themselves, they're not really people that are actually come pay for exactly, a hunt
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, know, that, like, and that's my sort of yeah. thinking. They're different demographics. I, yeah.
2: It can be taken however it wants to be taken. Yeah yeah,
1: you know, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree. <laughs> and then I sort of okay. think, well, if where they were doing these. Free hunts and free range, self-guided free range hunts in New Zealand mm-hmm. were within the areas that the government and us as hunters fund for management quite heavily. Then they're, all of a sudden, they're going to be pretty legit hunts anyway, oh, okay. you know. And if the <laughs> if you know there was a standard on what the tar had to be, you know, and I get that creates difficulty, but they maybe yeah. they're not allowed to fly out of the country with, with anything less than ten inches, like
2: yeah to something
0: yeah.
1: something, or not, whatever it is then yeah then I think if, if that sort of restrictive is there then I don't know if we need to have guides but mm-hmm. is it a safety thing because then if we go down the route of yeah. you know personal safety on the hill then I would advocate you know for, yeah. or some sort of learning you know mountain safety council do a great job you know is there something formal that these hunters need to have in terms of certification to go and do this hunt that you know, because Mount Sati Council was non for profit, so if yeah. the money was going through there, and that was going simply to the rescue chopper or something, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's there's all kinds of things mind. like I. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, but it's it's a bit sucky, and and the uh, going back to the original direction with that is like the shameful thing will be is if you know people that have knowledge get that hesitant to share it in the fear that mm-hmm. people are coming back, then they actually. Takes away the experience from the ninety nine percent that don't exactly yeah do that kind of oh there's bullshit. yeah there's,
2: <laughs> there's still some people that I'd help out but yeah, yeah I'd help a kiwi out or whoever that wanted to learn but mm-hmm. yeah when they come from a different country yep. and, yeah, yeah what are you, what are you even and, you know they've got a massive like social following or...
1: yeah yeah we get them yeah. from the podcast so yeah just I guess international followers on our podcast are always asking us about hunting over here yeah. And uh, we just we just direct them to our outfitters. There's lots of of our ex Ultimate O E guys that are now in the outfitting world, so we just direct them that way. Oh, exactly. Um, and then from there they go where they go. You know, from a from a pure business point of view, like you do want to we be just, polite back to yeah asking questions. We're just
2: very New Zealand narrow eyed. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. we had still haven't seen the big picture. But yeah, yeah. like there's a stat that uh, how many hunting permits were given to foreign People last year in New Zealand, have a guess. Couldn't tell you. you have a quick guess. 17,000.
1: Fuck. <laughs> okay, that's a lot, eh? Yep. And so what, given permits, you mean like open permits or like actually car ballots, raw ballots? Yeah, like yeah, all that,
2: like all the permits that they put in yeah, for. Yeah, right. Yep. Shit. Yep, so it's quite massive. Mm. Yep. But um. then,
1: like I say, the one, one thing that I guess social has allowed for in the last five years but i know it's been around longer than that but mm-hmm. the wealth of knowledge people can learn on how to come here and hunt you know versus oh, yeah. if back when i was pre-wife and kids and everything like that if i could have looked up something that showed me how i could do over the counter and go to the utah and stuff i probably would have done a whole lot more of that mm-hmm. you know you had to money like you
2: well, I'm not that old I'm not that old, but everything I got taught was on a map with a pen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you need yeah. To get to here, like and you're going It's certainly
1: wow. come on a long way and it was all basically, you know, pre social. It just seemed like it just couldn't be done anyway.
2: Yeah. And then nowadays you can send a point to people and say, Oh, I an animal here and they yeah, can, yeah, they yeah. can be there and Well and
1: your your yeah. reach is running, like your yeah. wife can sit here and follow you on a map and
2: Oh no, you turn the location off. All.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, when you come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that's that's. that's but yeah,
2: those in reaches and that, they've just changed the world. Eh?
1: Yeah, they're they're such a good device though. Like, jeez, here we go, another emotional story. But I <laughs> I remember pre having children, mm-hmm. I'd just go in the mountains yeah. and tell my wife I'll be out in three months, and mm-hmm. you know maybe I'll get a sat phone to you, but like yeah. no guarantees. When we talk, keep it short and brief, and don't expect much from me. And that was fine. And then this time we go in the mountains and, you know, there's a lot of beer activity and, like, it was a different feeling for me. Like, I just like, oh. And it it also created more issue, though, because because we could communicate. We did communicate. Exactly. Even though I kept it real minimal, she knew it it wasn't a chat conversation. (laughs) But it still meant, you know, still something else to think about. Like, we're used to just going to the mountains and not think about it. Yeah But um, but they are such a good tool Oh they are um,
2: Yeah the we I carry them I have it with me all the time pretty much Yeah It's amazing
1: There'll be a um, Mutual friend of ours That'll have a big in-reach bill this year I'd say now that he's in love
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh I'm not even going to go into that He'll kill me in another yeah, week Yeah you know who we're talking about I know you're listening Yeah It's alright good Sam
1: <laughs> <laughs> So um what the whole off-season stuff for you? Like, would you like to be doing something within the, within the hunting industry, or that's
2: what's sort of on the cards at the moment. I'm yeah. trying to work in with the company I work for and do shows and whatever yep. I can. Yeah, yep, the shows, just thing. anything. Yeah, and as being a carpenter or whatever, I can do Good things around the lodges and yep. yeah, 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 and then I can fill in. My spare time with my own hunting, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's just you just don't get to do it at the peak times, there. Oh, like...
2: that's the thing, everybody thinks it's a dream job, but yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you look at Instagram and people shooting stags and things, Tash, I mean, like, yeah, oh, I'd really like to be doing yeah. that myself.
1: But then and on, on that Instagram stuff, you've got as NZ Hunt Guide, like you've got a pretty wicked Instagram,
2: yeah. I was just lucky with my job itself and then the people that I had like those mountain ops people and Dallas Haymire and just your cameraman like Cam and mm-hmm. Joe everybody mm-hmm. and you just get good photos and they share a few photos or whatever you know yep. it just goes in roundabouts and they bump you up yep. but the way I see it it's it's like a CV or mm-hmm. it can be anything that you really want it to be mm-hmm. but yeah like I was running my boss's Instagram and stuff and I didn't even didn't really know what I was doing but it's not that hard if you yeah. work it out no
1: no 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 and i think it's really good like um and this is this is not actually from sam this is from current but like i think it's really good that guys that i guess are, are, are working you know like you're not you don't own the business you're not
2: mm-hmm.
1: top dog then no, no disrespect like <laughs> but, but no no so i think oh, I, know, it's, yeah. I think it's good that you build your own brand within that because yeah. you don't know what's coming up in the future oh exactly and then like within that brand if you know when if or when you start going to the shows and stuff like people are going to know you and, and call you out which helps could be for with good your reasons, or bad reasons yeah, yeah but it that. helps with your employer <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. it's just a i think i think it, it does win for everybody in that form like social media despite oh, the fact that i exactly and I then do <laughs> despise it quite often yeah. like you can't beat it for for a brand or advertising. Yeah, exactly. And then
2: yeah, you know, we've got some like New Zealand brands and things that are giving us sponsorship in that and it's just sort of a way to help them as well, like to yep. say thanks and yeah. Like,
1: well, it's nice to get a perk too.
2: Yeah. No, we've had some pretty <laughs> cool people that have done some awesome stuff, like yeah, I'll give a plug. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, Crispy N Z they've uh they gave us all boots this year and yep. they've been really I, I caught body.
1: up with, um, this is going to be bad, I've got his business card on my fridge just over there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're listening. But I'm actually going to do a podcast
2: with him. Yep. No, he yeah, um, he's awesome, mate. Eh? He's done.
1: Just because, yeah. and the, the reason for that, I might as well, I'll talk about that now because I don't know, it fits with a bit of stuff because I'd imagine you use quality gear. And this is not a, I guess it's still a crispy plug, but it's not a crispy plug. I think there's a real shift to to Kiwis spending more money. Exactly. And like boots has always been a killer for me, like we spend seven hundred dollars, yep, and some are good, and some are shit and i I followed I am mm-hmm. not going to say the brand, but I followed suit with what was supposed to be at the time New Zealand's number one boot, and for me, with my feet and what I do, that was the shittest pair of boots I'd ever bought.
2: yeah, I had a real shocker I had, like three months well, I paid a thousand dollars for these boots, yeah, for a high boot, and I blew them out in three months, and then they told me that i they under warranty, but then they told me that I didn't know how to do my right shoelace up, probably. Yeah, right. Well so that I, got done, like, told sick, I got down like a of cold
1: I got I got told that it was my fault, you know, um like the rands had split and come unglued and the leather mm-hmm. had split and I was like in three months, like mm-hmm. how how bad can you treat something? You know? Like and yes, I wore it every day for three months, but yeah. and I and so that's why I want to have this conversation with these guys about the difference quality is and, and and you know yeah, but I think I think that goes across a lot of things now. I don't I don't know what optics you use, but I
2: I use Swarovski. Yep, um,
1: you know, and that's only one brand. There's other as good comparative brands for sure.
2: I probably wouldn't have them unless I was sponsored by them, but they are yeah, they're, they're insane. But yeah, and I still remember my dad when I was a kid. Um, you're not buying a rifle until you buy a decent pair of binoculars, because there's no point in you going out just with a rifle.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And <laughs> yeah. like, I, yeah, like, I've got good gear, but I, when I look at the one pair, and yet yeah, they certainly hurt when you purchase them. Like, there's no, oh, yeah, there's no ignoring that. But I also know I had three pairs of mid range binoculars before that that equated to the same price. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know, just a yeah, of pairs yeah. of uh, Leopolds and, yeah. And, and like, I, I thought, you know, like, so with the guys that come on my like, training courses and stuff, like, I always sort of say, like, Go go with the best you can afford. Like it's not a it's not a dick measuring competition. No, do like, not. Don't, don't, you know, but if you can get there, you know, you just can't beat quality. Like
2: we just need to sort out Swarski's rangefinder and their binoculars. They yeah. range to thirty three yards. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Not that ideal for both. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I've got that same issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: you're like, how far is it? Uh about twenty. Yeah. Well, it's not thirty-three. Yeah, it's not thirty-three. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it's twenty. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. use twenty-point. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, exactly. Yeah, that
1: is that is a small issue. Yeah. But but not Dan, good for anything else. But yeah. yeah. But um, but is there anything else you want to chat about, Sam?
2: No, not really. Covered it all. I think we're pretty good. What have you got coming up? Uh, I'm heading over the west coast in two weeks after a half marathon, Oof. and then. Yeah, I'm not too sure yet. Yep. I want to try and get a big bull tail for bow and spend some more time over the coast,
1: like like this, like a spring hunt, or is this just a yep. endeavor spring hunt forward?
2: Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've already got a good bull tail from bow, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: I only worked out that I probably should have ended it about six years ago.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So no, and I know that there's quite a few other people getting into it. Yeah. You know, Sam, both and yeah, his. Partner and there they're all getting bows or yep. getting into it again. So yeah, yep. you all get along with each other and go on hunts.
1: yep no, yeah. that's cool. There is, a, there is a definitely the the bow. I've had a few chats with different bow guys in New Zealand. Bow. Society I know. I was listening
2: to it last week sitting in a tractor, and I was yeah. like, "Wow, I didn't realise all these people were bow hunting." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's but, insane, but, hey? but but
1: then unfortunately, again, and I'm not bagging the club or anything, or the society, but their membership is actually diminishing. Really? Yeah. Despite the yeah, I reckon there's a massive that. Like, yeah, there. but we're yeah. not in the we're not in the clubs or the yeah. Well, we're know. probably our own worst enemies. Here yeah, as well. exactly, exactly, hundred percent. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, because yeah. um, I certainly know that I could do with some tuition. <laughs> yeah. Like I thankfully brought a bow from um, a guy that gave me a lot of tuition and um, Khan. He'll be listening, but he's he's well, he's pestering me actually. But <laughs> he's booking in. He's going to come down.
2: I'm um, just hoping the next shot That I see can do He actually hits its lungs And it's fine He doesn't on purpose It tells me um,
1: But yeah He's going to come down And we're actually going to do Some hunting with the boat. That's cool Yeah 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 Because it's sort of I think it is definitely one that If you can get Constant tuition Which when you think about yeah. it When I started with a rifle My dad gave me Constant tuition for years mm-hmm. So why would it Why would it not be any different Yep um, So Oh well, that's cool man It's been a good chat I'll, um, no, thank you very much for having me. No, 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 that's all good. And I'll um, on the show notes, like we always do, I'll put in the cool. ways to follow you. Thank um, you very much. I know you're Instagram, but do you do Facebook as well? yeah Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Yeah. No,
2: it's just Sam Minton on that.
1: Yep, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, certainly the NZ Hunt Guide um, have some people follow that and jump on. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, it's been good. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks very much.
0: G'day, thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Island, at The Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, TheEducatedHunter.com. Our Instagram page is at The Educated Hunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.